Welcome to Treasures Old and New from ART. Hi, I'm Joy Jackson. I'm feeling a little spooky this month, so I want to start off with the first part of The Last Guest of Hotel Darjeeling, written by Stephen L. Poole. In the serious game of hide-and-seek, where do you hide when you can't physically get out? Here's part one. Good evening, and welcome to the American Radio Theater. Please join us tonight in a game of hide-and-seek as we present an original radio play by Stephen L. Poole. The name of the play is The Last Guest of the Darjeeling Hotel. As you may know, Darjeeling is a town high in the mountains of North India near the Himalayas. It was used by the British to escape the heat of the Indian summers, and to this day still looks like a quaint English village perched on an Indian mountaintop. Darjeeling is known for its English-style boarding schools, Tibetan monasteries, beautiful vistas, and of course, its famous tea. If you wanted to get away from it all, Darjeeling would be the place to go. Tonight, you'll meet a cast of unusual characters. Some are good, some are not so good, some are downright evil. But we won't be telling you which is which or who is who. There are very few names used in our story, as if everyone is hiding something or hiding from something. Well, I did tell you it was a game of hide and seek. So lean back, pour yourself a cup of tea, take out your world atlas, and see if you can find out who, or where, is the last guest at the Darjeeling Hotel. But before we visit Darjeeling, we are taking you to a much darker place, an undisclosed location we call the lab. This is a place you do not want to visit. And these are characters you definitely do not want to meet. I see you finally decided to join us, Doctor. Us? You're the only one here, Colonel. The Premier will be here any minute now. Need I remind you, Colonel, that the Premier is never here. He just phones it in as usual. His presence is everywhere. He is... What are you doing? What does it look like? I'm sitting down. I had a long night in the lab. You must stand when the Premier arrives. Why? Out of respect, that's why. Don't be stupid. He can't see us. Don't you ever call me that. I have more authority than you, and if you... You can shut up now. That is the Premier's signal. Good morning, Premier. Good morning, Premier. Status report. Not good, Premier. I'm afraid the Professor is gone. Explain. How can I put this? We seem to have lost him. Is he dead? You were warned no harm was to come to him. No, Premier, he is not dead. And I assure you no harm has come to him. It's just that, well, 
Well, perhaps I can explain better, Premier. Go on, Doctor. The Professor is fine and in good health. It's just that he has gone into hiding. Explain how that is possible. Well, the Professor is a very intelligent man. He knows we want him. He knows we want what he knows. And he knows we have a limited amount of time to question him. Therefore, his best strategy was to go into hiding in a very secure location and wait us out. What do you mean by a secure location? Well, as I said before, the professor is very intelligent and has traveled widely around the world for his research. He probably knows dozens, pff, no, hundreds of places where he could hide. With his mind and memory, I'm sure he has meticulously plotted a number of escape routes leading to safe houses. When he felt we were closing in on him, when he began to feel trapped, he executed an escape plan to some such location and is now waiting for us to give up the chase. But I have an idea how to find him. Oh, this is ridiculous. Quiet, Colonel. Let me hear the doctor's suggestion. My thinking is like this. It is something like an endgame strategy in chess. The professor knows he cannot win, so he will put his king, meaning himself, in his most secure location and play for a draw. And what is that supposed to mean? It means, Colonel, that the location he has chosen will have no further exits. That means he will retreat to a place where he is essentially trapped. It will be the last mountaintop, the furthest island, the most remote valley. He will run as far as he can run, find a room to hide in, lock the door, and throw away the key. And there, watching the door with his back against the wall, he will wait. He will wait for us to stop pursuing him, to declare a draw. It's the end game. And the only way he can win is by not losing. You have not explained how you plan to find him. I was coming to that, Premier. We have extensive information about his movements over the years. Passports, stamps, visas, travel receipts. They form a comprehensive paper trail that follows the professor around the world for the last ten years and more. Go on. I need time to examine this paper trail. I believe we can find his perfect hiding spots by analyzing where he went, how long he stayed, what research he performed. Then I believe I can identify his safe houses, locations from which there is no further escape. If I am correct, that will be the flaw in his strategy. Find the end of the line and you will find him. Non plus ultra. Non plus nonsense. This will take forever. We don't have that much time. I agree with the colonel. We do not have time. But Premier, this is the best strategy to recover the professor intact, unharmed. If you allow the colonel to pursue her ham-fisted methods, now, there here. won't be much left to recover or to interrogate. I have to agree with the doctor. You have ten days to complete your search. I expect results in ten days. Remember, I do not accept failure. That is all. If you ever insult me again, I'll... I am I'll... pleased to insult you again right now to your fat face, you fool. If it weren't for your stupid impatience, we would not have lost him in the first place. Now get out of my way. I have much work to do and not much time to do it in. If you need me, I'll be in the lab. That's right. Not much time. Not much time at all. Premier, are you still listening? Of course. When he fails, and I know he will fail, then please, please turn him over to me. Agreed. Turn them both over to me, the professor and that meddling doctor. Agreed. As long as you get results, agreed.
You two, stop playing video games and come here. Yes, sir. You want us? You are working for me now. Special project. At last, some action. I was getting tired of babysitting. What do you want us to do, Doctor? I want you to track a man down to the ends of the earth. Great! I'll get packed. Without leaving this laboratory. Oh. oh. Come with me. We will work in here in the computer room. What do you want us to do? Call up everything we know about the professor's travel for the last 10 years. If we don't find anything promising, we'll dig another 10 years. What exactly are we looking for? Good question. How should I describe it? Oh, maybe the word is remoteness. Remoteness? Yes, I have an idea he would go somewhere far away from which he could go no farther. The most remote place he could get to, literally to the end of the earth. But that could be anywhere. No, no, not anywhere. It has to be somewhere he has been to before and has spent some time there. He would have to be very familiar with the place, intimate. He would have to have burned it into his memory. Still, it is a big world out there. Looking at these records, this guy's gone everywhere. Yes, but there should be relatively few places where the only way he could return is by the same route that got him there. Okay. I am beginning to get the idea. One way in, one way out. Precisely. Piece of cake! I'll have it done by lunch! I'll have it done by break time. That's the spirit. Let's break up the problem into three. You can do South America. I know he spent a lot of time in Incan ruins. Got it. Why don't you follow his path in Polynesia? He seems to have visited every island in the Pacific. Great. I'll get my sunblock. I'll tackle Asia. India, Cambodia, Burma, I mean Myanmar. A lot of territory for us to cover, and we don't have much time. Remember, it has to be a place that, as you said, is one way in, one way out. A place he stayed at long enough to be intimate with, and a place he would be willing to go back to. We're, We're on, on it. Still, it is a big world out there, and this guy has gone everywhere. I wonder where he could be. I wonder where he could be. <laughs> I wonder where he could be. Welcome, sir. Welcome to the Darjeeling Hotel. Thank you very much. Uh, I remember you. Your name is uh, Ravindra, is that correct? You are most correct, sir. Thank you for remembering my name, but please, everyone, just calls me Ravi. I believe you have stayed with us before, sir. Am I correct? Uh, yes. I, I was here some years ago. As I remember, the hotel belongs to uh, Mrs... Banerjee, is she available? I would very much like to talk to her if possible. Yes, sir. I will ask the Memsab to come see you. If you would please to wait here, please. Thank you. Yes, I remember this lobby. Dark, old, very English, very Raj. Loud ticking clock. Photographs on the wall. Ah, yes. 
Scottish officers entertaining the ladies of St. Cuthbert's, 1928. And here is New Year Gala Fancy Dress Ball, 1932. But it's not all Raj. Here is Ganesh by the door. Om Sri Ganesh, protect me on my journey. Now what else was here? Oh yes, a garden courtyard there, off to the right. I remember you could see the mountains, the, the Himalayas, just over the fence. But now it's all fogged in and I can't even see to the end of the lawn. Oh, but that's fine, the, the fog will cover and hide the details. Can I help you, sir? Ah, Mrs. Banerjee, how nice to see you again. Do you remember me? I stayed here some years ago. Oh, Professor, of course I remember you. Welcome back to our small hotel. I'm afraid it is now off-season due to the monsoon, so we are basically closed. But I'm very happy to open up a room for you. Ravi, prepare the garden suite. Yes, Mimsad. Oh, please. I would... Much prefer the room I stayed in before. I think it was number 17. 17? Oh, sir, that room is very cold and the view is all fogged in now. A garden suite would be much more cheerful. I appreciate that, but I have fond memories of 17, so that would be my preference. Well, sir, if that is your wish. Ravi! Open room 17. Yes, ma'am, sahib. Would you like to rest in the lounge while Ravi is preparing the room? Actually, I would prefer to head straight to the room now, if I may. Well, of course, sir. I will show you the way. Oh, please. I I'm sorry. It's just that I, I want to see if I can remember how to get to room 17. After all these years, that is. As the gentleman wishes, please proceed. Now, let me see. It was down this hallway, past a lounge on the left. Here. Small stairway on the right. And then there was a wide doorway to the dining room here. The terrace was ahead. Then, uh, then... Shall I show you the way? No, no, wait. Oh, sorry. Back up. Ha-ha, yes. Here, the small stairway on the right. It would be quicker if I show you. Uh, these stairs, right again. Another narrow corridor, then left. Then, ha-ha, number 17. The sub has excellent fond memory. I am almost finished, sir. I opened the shutters, but all you can see today is the fog. I will fetch you some fresh towels, may I? Same old room. I remember you could see a famous mountain from this window. Mount Khan, Mount Kancha, Kanchenjunga. <laughs> Very good, Professor. Kanchenjunga. That used to be our little joke, remember, Mrs. Banerjee? I remember you used to be a very difficult guest. You would not let anyone into the room unless they said Kanchenjunga. It drove us all crazy. Ah, oh, sorry about that, but I, I just wanted to know that I was pronouncing it correctly. Now that 
we are alone, may I speak to you confidentially? Oh, of course, sir. What would you like to discuss? Did I understand that you are basically closed now? That there are no other guests? That is correct, sir. Except for Ravindra, I have let all the staff go for the season. But of course we can accommodate you. And would it be an imposition for you to keep my presence here, shall we say, confidential? All my guest information is strictly confidential, sir. So if someone else were to arrive here inquiring about me... Are you hiding from the police, sir? Then I cannot... Oh, no, 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 no. Nothing like that. It, it, it's just that, well, you may remember that I am a researcher, and I often get questioned by reporters about my latest projects. It, it's very annoying. I specifically chose this room so I could work in peace and privacy, and I, I would like not to be disturbed. Well, sir, just so we understand each other, I will keep your stay here strictly secret from everyone, except the authorities. By law, I must report everyone. By law, I must report who is staying here, but only if I am asked to. And since we are closed and no one knows that anyone is staying here, it is very unlikely that I will be asked. To everyone else, you can be the Invisible Man by H.G. Wells. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Mrs. Banerjee. You have set my mind completely at ease. Not at all, Professor. Not at all. Now, what about meals? Please, I will take care of my own meals. Very well. Can we fetch your luggage now? No luggage. Just what I have in my pockets. Shall I have Ravinda prepare a fire? It is a little chilly in here and there is a coal stove. No, thank you. I prefer a little chill and, and I can start the fire if I need to. Well then, if there is anything that you desire, just... Just some privacy, please. Very well, sir. I will leave you to your privacy. Oh, Mrs. Banerjee. Yes. What is it now? Mrs. Banerjee, you are a lifesaver. Why, thank you, sir. Now, uh, please close the door. Safe and sound at last. Yes, it's all coming back to me now. Writing desk, single bed, small coal stove, wash basin, and wardrobe. And I believe I spent many hours in this very same chair. And as for my luggage, well, let's see what I have in my pocket. Oh, yes, excellent. Best poems of the English language. That should pass the time. Let's start with... Here it is. <clears throat> my heart aches and a drowsy numbness pains my sense, as though of hemlock I had drunk, or emptied some dull opiate to the drains one minute past and lethwards had sunk. Stop that infernal typing. <sighs> All right, team. We've been at it for three days now. We are running out of time. 
Tell me what you have. Let's start with you, South America. Where did he go? Everywhere. All the major Inca cities, Machu Picchu, Cajamarca, Cuzco. Then he scoured the Nazca Plains and the Atacama Desert, wrote a number of papers on the Nazca lines. One of his theories uh, Look, is, skip the theories for now. Just tell me where he was. Like I said, he went everywhere, but he didn't spend more than a few weeks at any one of those places. Then about six years ago, he entered the Amazon basin in Bolivia and disappeared. A year later, he staggered naked into Manaus in Brazil, a thousand miles away. He was delirious and nearly dead, spent months in a hospital. Did he leave any notes about where he had been? Nothing. Nada. I'm not even sure he knows where he'd been. But as soon as he was released from the hospital, he headed straight back to Bolivia and Tiahuanaco. Where the heck is that? Just south of Lake Titicaca in the Andes Mountains. It's an ancient complex of temples and pyramids that predates the Incas. Nearly 13,000 feet elevation, but it has some of the largest stone temples found anywhere in the world. Some stones weigh hundreds of tons. Nobody knows how they were built at that high altitude. It would be like building the Great Pyramid on top of Mount Rainier. Mm, how long was he there? Half a year. He lived in the ruins and searched all the mountains around there. Interesting. Interesting. Well, let's put a pin in Tiahuanaco for now. Okay, Island Hunter, what have you got? Well, I'd have a great tan if I had gone everywhere he did. You wish. Let's stay focused. Okay, well, same story. He went everywhere in the Pacific. After Bolivia, he turned up in Rapa Nui. You know, Easter Island, the big stone heads. And he spent about two months there. Then he just started tearing across the Pacific. The Marquesas, all the islands around Tahiti, Cook Islands, Samoa, Tonga, Friendly Islands... Finally, New Zealand and Hawaii. He stuck mostly to Polynesian islands. Aren't they all Polynesian islands? No, that's the point. There is another ethnic group called Melanesians clustered around New Guinea and the Solomon Islands. And another group, these tiny dots here, called Micronesia. But the professor had a theory that the Polynesians had visited everywhere in the Pacific, Micronesia and Melanesia. Even these tiny rocks far from Hawaii, even California and Alaska, all without the aid of sat-nav or GPS. It's as if they knew where they were going before they got there. Or that they were looking for something? That was his theory. He believed Polynesians used their skills as navigators not just to settle the islands, but to search for something that had been lost Okay, okay. Uh, we could spend all day speculating about the professor's theories. Maybe we can even get him to give us a lecture if we can ever reach him. I need locations, not speculations. Which I was getting to. Which brings us to here, Kapinga Morangi. Kapingima what? Kapinga Morangi. It's this tiny island here near the equator. It's out in the middle of nowhere, but it's a Polynesian island, and all the islands around it are Micronesian or Melanesian. Only 300 people live there. The highest elevation is one foot above sea level. Something about this place caught the professor's interest. He spent more time here than any other island. Most of the time he was scuba diving around the reef. Maybe he likes collecting tropical fish. I doubt it. I think he was looking for some artifact. Okay. It's an unusual island, and he spent a lot of time here diving. Anything else to favor it? Your criteria, remoteness, and one way in, one way out. Interesting. How so? Only way to get there is a ship from this other remote island, Pompeii. It comes once a month. The prof was there four months. Okay. 
Good work. Looks promising. Uh, put a pin in Kapinga... Kapinga Morangi. Well, I guess it's my turn. Time-wise, the professor suddenly left the Pacific three years ago and headed for Southeast Asia. Same old story. Ruins in Cambodia, Laos, and Burma. I mean, Myanmar. Then he went to India and spent a few months there in a town called Darjeeling near the Himalayas. Darjeeling? Like the tea? Correct. Darjeeling is an old British hill station, famous for its tea plantations and private boarding schools. It seems the uh, prof, as you call him, needed some downtime to review his work and write up his notes. Apparently he holed up in some quaint old hotel and wrote his opus magnum. His magnum? What? It's a large gun, dummy. Try again. It means great work, masterpiece. He wrote it, but never published it. The manuscript has never been seen. Is that what we are looking for? Quiet. Lower your voices. Among the three of us, I don't know what the premiere is after, but I don't want to drag this thing out any longer. We've made this man suffer enough already. I just want to reconnect with him, ask some questions, get some answers, and let him go. I'm not supposed to tell you this, but I've known this professor for many years. He is eccentric, but not crazy, and certainly not dangerous. He doesn't deserve to be interrogated by a beast like the colonel. Hey, man, we're just doing the job we're paid to do, you know? No office politics, okay? Don't want to get on the wrong side of anybody here, especially not this colonel woman. All right, drop it. I just wanted you to know where I stand. You two just do your job. So, where does that leave us? Door number one. Tiawanako. Door number two. Kapima whatever. Or door number three. Darjeeling. And the winner is? And the winner is? I've made up my mind, but I want to keep it secret for now. After all the work we did? We won't tell, promise. Oh, all right. Against my better judgment. I'm going for Darjeeling. But why there? I'd go for the island. Both on the island and at the Tijuanaco ruins, the professor was out in the open every day, diving on the reef, searching the mountains, as you said. Only in Darjeeling did he stay in one place, holed up in a hotel, probably shut up in the same room for three months. That's the kind of safe house Heidi Hole I would go for. A place where he can run away to, lock the door, throw away the key, and wait unseen. Yeah, but a tropical island... They probably don't even have walls and doors there, let alone keys. And that's the problem. It's hard to hide where there are no walls and doors. So I'm off to see if I can find the door he is hiding behind. India and back should take me uh, five to six days. Cutting it close, but if I'm right, we can wrap this thing up. Can I rely on your discretion, your secrecy? Of course. Sealed lips. Mom's the word. All right. I'll be back within a week. Ciao, or namaste, whatever they say in India. Good luck. Bring us back some tea. I guess it's back to babysitting again. You get the first shift. I'm beat. So, is there a doctor in the house? No? That's strange. Sudden indigestion, perhaps? No stomach for this work? Huh, funny. He was here a minute ago. You just missed him. And of course you wouldn't happen to know where he went, would you now? No idea. Who could say? It's a big world out there. A pity. I was looking for a new assistant. 
Someone I can rely on. <laughs> Is the pay better? What are the benefits? <laughs> it... <clears throat> oh, great benefits. For one, you get to stay alive. Please, we're just doing our job. And the pay is better, if you're around to collect it. Any takers? Or will it be necessary to terminate some extraneous employees? We, we promised the doctor... You don't owe him anything. After this fiasco, he wouldn't even be around. Will you keep your promise to a dead man? We don't want any trouble. Just trying to do our job. I'll make it easy for you. You can still report to the doctor as long as he is around, but now you have a dotted line to me, a secret dotted line. Agreed? Well, if it'll help the cause, I guess. And you will keep it a secret, right? Oh, you can trust me. So we're all agreed? Good. Now the first item on that dotted line is... Where did the good doctor go? Anyone? India. India? Where in India? Darjeeling. Darjeeling? You mean like the tea? Yes, Darjeeling. Like the tea. Let's listen to some music from the days of old time radio, and it's Jubilee. Limber up your digits, here comes a ball. It's another love unleashed into Hot Horn Hall. For another name, a rosewood smell is sweet. Forget the silly rhyme, guys. It's Jubilee. Greetings, Gates, and drop what you're doing so we can drive you to ruin with another basket of barrel house. This is Jack Little snapping my jaws in time to the good Jubilee bounce and gathering all the nutmeg where I may. It's another fine 30 of just jazz, and here to enumerate all the events in the order to be is Mr. Gene Norman, your MC. Thank you. Thank you, Jack. Hi, gang. Welcome to another session of Just Jazz. Gracing our jubilee stage today are the great stars of American music, stars of record and jazz concert hall. And without anything more, except a warning to you that this half hour will make you rock, here is Benny Carter and the All-Stars with How High the Moon.
Yes, indeed. We're off on a fine bash. Benny Carter and Otto surrounded by Charlie Barnett on tenor sax, Vic Dickinson from Bourne, Chuck Peterson trumpet, Irving Ashby guitar, Dodo Mamoros piano, Jackie Mills drums, Red Gallagher bass. Well, now the stage is cleared and we ask the spotlight man to turn it on the piano. And there we pick out the great piano man, Mr. Errol Garner. Thank you. Arrow Garner flying into an original composition called Arrow's Bound. Jubilee is proud to present now a beautiful lady who came on a few years back with Benny Goodman. She graduated into the atmosphere where stars shine all the time. Still shining brighter than ever, let's welcome Peggy Lee. I'd like to do... Uh... Happiness is the same called you. i 
Peggy's earlier tour with Bunny Goodman. Well, it just so happens, by a strange coincidence, that is, that Just Jazz happens to have a Benny Goodman around today. So let's welcome Benny and his trio. Thank you. 
Benny Goodman. Jimmy Rolls on piano, Don Lamont on the scans, and Benny Goodman trio. Well, now we're going to add on some musicians. Red Norville, who plays vibe, incidentally. Al Hendrickson, who picks up grace notes on guitar. Put them all together, and we have the Benny Goodman Sextet. Uh, thank you very kindly. Now we'd like to play one of our new recordings, capital recordings, called Lonesome Road. Thank you. 
Well, it's time for another mad session on just jazz. We've decided to let Benny Carter and the All-Stars do as much as they can on Count Stacy's fine oldie, which is Jubilee's theme, the one o'clock jump. Ah, gee, that's all the time I've got for today. Please stop by our website, AmericanRadioTheater.org, for more of our podcasts. You know, we put up a new one every month. Hey, see you next time. Bye.